Whoa. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Ask Somebody Else with myself, Kaz from Property by Kazi, and another hopefully amazing guest that we're going to have on today. Today I'm going to be joined by James and we're going to be talking about PropTech. He's going to be giving us a lot more information on what he's done, his journey. Um, I was introduced to him from uh, one of the guys at Million Pound Homes. So let me send him an invite now. Sam, if you've got any friends, family that you think could get value out of this session, feel free to add them in. James, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right, Kevin. How you doing? Again, firstly, housekeeping. Apologies for being slightly late today. As I told James in uh, my disclosure, unfortunately, I completely forgot. Uh, I didn't forget. I lost track of time because I was on the PlayStation on my Sunday. I actually took time out. I didn't go to... Um, What's it called? The Hangout this weekend. I miss Manny Suave's brunch. I miss Vanity. I miss all sorts. So hopefully you guys are going to get some good value out of today. Like always, if you do have a question, please use the question box. Um, just that way people can see your question and hopefully they can get more value out of it as well. Um, before we crack on, James, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Nice, nice relaxing Sunday. Played some football. You know what I mean? Just, just getting ready for the week ahead. So I'm excited. Yeah, first of all, I just got to apologise. Um, I have to sit in my car because my house is in one of those states right now where, you know, there's so much noise going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I've, listen, it's, it's, at the end of the day, we're, we're doing this for free. There's hopefully yeah. a lot of information. Hopefully it's going to aid somebody on their journey, mm. whether it be in property or any other vocation. So I'm sure that people appreciate you regardless. Yeah. Um, but again, I was... Again, I was introduced you to by the guys from Million Pound Homes, but yeah. could you kind of explain to me what it is you do in this property space and also a bit about your background? Yeah, um, I'll probably start off with, uh, with my background. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I went to uni, um, dropped out of that, worked in financial services where I stayed for about seven years, uh, banking mm -hmm. predominantly, um, basically mortgages and investments. Um, and then... Throughout that period of time, I built up a property portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, I built up a, a property portfolio with a, the founder of Million Pound Homes, actually, my business partner. And um, we... Uh, so I, I know about some of your buys. <laughs> you, you, buy, you buy sporadically. Yeah. You buy yeah. as if you've taken a map of the UK and just throw it, <laughs> and you're not very good at darts, and you throw a dart at it and just see where it lands. Yeah, we, we, we actually got lucky. I'll, I'll probably say, I'll, I'll probably say um, you know, we learned a lot. We learned a lot along the journey, uh, but we definitely got lucky in the sense that we we haven't made any horrible purchases that have, you know, led to any any turmoil at all. So, yeah, we, we kind of got lucky in that sense. Um, so your first one was, was it a hole, your first one? No, it was in um, Blackburn. Blackburn. Blackburn, and then... We bought another one in um, in Twickenham, and then we bought uh, you know six in in Norwich, uh, you know, and that was when we were just like, look, let's just let's just start focusing on other things because mm -hmm. as you start buying loads of properties, you start to realise there's actually a much deeper rooted issue mm -hmm. <laughs> in the industry. So, so before before we get to the other things and the issues that you're going to mention, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> your relationship, like, so I'm assuming at the time. Why did you choose to partner slash JV with somebody? Was it just to raise the funds? Um, what was like? What what was your decision behind partnering with somebody? 
And how was it actually like having a business relationship with someone that was a friend to start with? Um, so Kofi and I have always been, you know, like we've been friends for, gosh, like since 2004, I think, or like 2005. Um, and we, at, at that point in time, we were both trying little things here and there. Um, but it, just, it, it naturally made sense. We're both hungry. We're both, you know, entrepreneur both driven so we just thought Look, let's, let's just start buying some properties it, it was nothing to do with um it was not driven by uh financial decisions it was mainly two heads work better than one um mm. and then that helped us uh bounce ideas off each other because sometimes if you if you try and do something by yourself um yeah you might move quickly but if you We lost you for a second there, James. Can you hear me, James? I don't. I think it might be it might be you. We have lost you for a second, but hopefully we'll get you back shortly. Um, but yeah, in in the meantime, whilst we're waiting for James to reconnect, um, yes, yeah, so if you do have any questions, I think that's quite an interesting subject. Um, potentially questions in regards to what it's like to start a business with somebody maybe things that you would put in place beforehand, um, you know, pros and cons, etc. So have you got, are you back? You're back, James. Sorry, we lost you for a second there. Can you hear me? Did I get, yeah, was that the one that was gone? Yeah, you were gone for a second. We're still, um, you've frozen again, I believe. In the chat, if you can, just help to answer, just to let us know if we're, um, if you can hear both of us or just myself or where, where we are, just so I know. And I'm not, maybe, maybe you can hear James and maybe it's me. But um, yeah, I was just saying, obviously, James touched on um, starting a business with somebody for the first purchase, buying properties in, you know, an area outside of either his comfort zone or geographical area. So if you've got any questions in regards to that, I'm going to go to re-adding back in or potentially a request. Let me send him another request now. Let me just do that. The technical, the technical world is amazing. I think the good news is for you, I'm going to tell you that um, I'm going to start doing some in-person interviews. So we're going to be doing them live. They're, all, well, they're not going to be live and then they're going to be so pre-recorded actually. And going to get some of your favorite some of the biggest property people in there so one of the first i'm going to get on i'm not sure if you're familiar with Saj hussein um he's been around in the property space for quite a long time quite a lot of networking events a lot of masterminds been sort of heavily involved in a number of the award stuff and done a lot of stuff in property so if you've got any questions that you'd like me to put to him directly about his journey or about maybe property hacks tips etc drop me a message and i'll get those across to him we're going to be doing that next week um i have um tan tops asked about samuel leeds i have done an interview with samuel leeds it's all edited now i'm just waiting i've got a post out the day, the day in the life video next um some financial updates on the lane and then the next stage after that yeah will be the samuel leeds videos so they'll be out very soon um james if you are in here just send me a request and I'll get you added in. Um, in the meantime, obviously the show always must go on. So any questions that you have for me today, 
since I'm I'm not out, I'm missing um yeah. Missing the hangout, which looked like it was gonna be a good day. I'm missing Manny's brunch, which is always a good day. I'm jealous, I'm seeing the snaps, I'm seeing the stories. But we're here regardless, talking property. I'll give you a quick update actually in the meantime while we wait for James of what I've been up to. So the property that I wanted to do is a community project. Um I've done my key exchange over there, so I've got my I've got my key release. So hopefully we're gonna be starting work on that very soon. Potentially even go there tomorrow actually. So I might do a live from the property just so you can see some of the disrepair that we're gonna have to fix. Um I've had the offer, I put the offer in on the police station. I'm hoping to buy this police station and convert it into free flats. So that'll be pretty cool if we can go ahead and do that. Um, I'll definitely take you guys on the journey of doing that. It's an interesting space. Um, and then we're waiting for planning on the bungalow and three other houses that we're looking to convert into flats. So potentially a building out sort of 20 plus units over the next, um, I'd say, 18 months subject to planning and subject to some money. So you've got to get that money in. Had some amazing meetings recently. Potentially um, subject to signing a deal. I've raised a quite a lot of investor finance, sort of upwards of seven figures. So that would be great as well if we can get that on board because I haven't actually raised any private equity outside of um, in the last sort of four or five years, to be honest. Which leads me on, just natural segue in because I'm great at this now. Um, CRL Peck um, has asked, what are your tips on gaining solid investors outside of your circle? Um, so again, I'm just... My tips on gaining solid investors. I, I see all sorts of different strategies. Like strategy number one, which I don't, which I don't necessarily use, is people have really, really good investor decks explaining what they're going to get, why, what have you. But with me, I feel like a lot of the um, more sophisticated or serious investors kind of know exactly what they want. So you telling them what you offer, they might give you a counter proposal, and you're just working out if it's going to make sense for both of you. I do think um, maintaining your personal integrity, so. You know, obviously your name speaks volumes. If you've done somebody dirty in the past, you're going to find it a lot harder to gain investors or if you haven't been sort of conducted legitimate business or you haven't met, you have you overpromised and underdelivered. Again, in that instance, you're going to struggle to find investors. For me, obviously, I've got a track record of, you know, doing solid deals, solid returns. So literally, I'm just like, look, this is what I've done in the past. This is what potentially I'm looking at. And going forward, you know, these are the returns I can offer you. I would say if somebody's going to invest, they're going to invest in you. So you have to make yourself as viable as an investment as possible. So I, do you have any security to offer them? Um, do you, what experience do you have that you can leverage to make sure that you're going to you know, conduct the investment efficiently and make sure that they get their returns? And just putting yourself out there. You know, there's some great networking events. My brother Tej has recently started to run one. That's, I think he pitches it as being not, sort of stuffy and quiet, you know, open, a bit of banter, a lot of conversation, but there's also money in those rooms. So when you go to those rooms and you explain to people what you're doing, or if you have a deal and you have a good deal, because the thing is, I may say I'm not looking to do any JVs or I'm not looking to do a project with somebody else. But if you present me a great deal, you're going to change my mind. So I guess sometimes a deal speaks volumes. I know Anthony has said like, you know, it's not money that you have to start with. 
you have to start with a good idea or a good proposition. Anthony Laville, I'm talking about now. And when you have a good proposition, the money potentially comes. So I hope that helped in answer to your question. Um, do I use an architect to help draw out my plans to propose to the councils? Do I do your drawings myself? I 100% every time use an architect because although, you know, I know a, a lot about planning, the way it's presented, like first impressions count. The way an architect's going to present things, the fact that they're going to tick all of the boxes, like a good architect isn't just going to do your drawings for you either. A good architect is going to make sure that the conditions that the council require have all been met. They're going to make sure that effectively they would almost operate as a planning consultant um, in that they would make sure you meet all the requirements with the local councils as well. So I'd always advise using a good architect. Shout out AA Drafting, who are my architect. They're based in Southwest London, um, really good team. So if you are interested, they're um, AA Drafting Solutions on Instagram. Check them out and tell them Kazi sent you. I think, I believe... We've got James back now. I'm just trying to accept, is it? I don't know what's happening. We are, having, are we back? Are we back? Sensational. <laughs> Hello. So we'll the, man, the man in PropTech having technical problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? My, my, my Virgin Media Wi-Fi has not been the best. And um, yeah, I, I, I was trying to make some stuff work. It didn't work out. So hey, uh, no I'd problem. Kick, I'd, I'd tell him to shut up. So, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it has to be done. Um, so before you left, you were talking about buying properties in three different locations. Um, you said, you know, sort of those two kids were better than one, kind of multiple people just, you know, I guess as well, you were both had other vocations that you were following. Yeah. So, you know, it meant that you could do it as a side yeah. hustle in your spare time. Whereas as an individual, you probably wouldn't have had as much time and maybe yeah. couldn't have been as successful. So that's, that's fair enough. And then you were explaining what was the problem you realized? Because you said in doing, in buying those first three properties, you almost identified a problem that you wanted to find a solution for. Yeah, so um, I, I, I would say we faced some some running. I mean, I, I had a property before because you and I started buying them, um, started buying together, and um, what became very apparent very quickly was you know rental areas, which you know I'm, I'm sure any landlord can relate to. Mm. Um, essentially, you had tenants in there who would not pay rent and when you investigate or you, you start digging into what's happened you then quickly realize if it's either poor referencing or something wasn't checked um, mm. or you know somebody lied about something and um that kind of led to me exploring the, the pop tech space and then bringing open banking and then financial services to the property industry and then for um, those that are not familiar with the term prop tech what does that mean <laughs> Yeah, so um, the property industry, by by definition, is quite a um, a manual uh, or archaic industry, shall we say? Um, that, that's the exact word I was going <laughs> to use when you um, <laughs> when you're trying to get your title registered from something that's been sold recently and it's sitting at the land registry for six months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, recently, over the past, I would say five six years, there's been a massive boom in people building technology to speed up. You know, if you look at property by definition, it's bricks and mortar, it's very uh, uh, tangible. Um, so how do you move that whole industry onto tech platforms run by databases and software and uh, algorithms, essentially? Mm -hmm. um, so that's what property, what prop tech is, which is basically technology for the property industry. Um, and 
I, I, I essentially just took my banking experience and then brought that because what when you work with mortgages and you you know you're providing um mortgages to to consumers and providing investment advice uh it's safe to say you get a good understanding about how to um assess individual finances um and how to do that quickly uh is it, done through open banking um and that's how i ended up uh, building a platform that uh helps the property industry move quickly and then get things done quicker um so to come back to what I do, which was one of the first questions you asked earlier on, um, Checkboard is a, a platform that helps you confirm to uh, an estate agent or somebody in the property industry that you can afford to complete the transaction, you're good, you're, you're good for the money without giving them your bank statements um, or without giving them your passport to identify yourself. Um, and interestingly, Kofi, Kofi does have some similar experience within, um, you know, million pound homes of having to validate people who can kind of uh, validate that people can afford a transaction. He's dealing with big, big amounts, you know, large transactions. If somebody can't uh, complete a transaction or waste your time for six or months, you know, you're going to be damaging relationship with your um, sellers. It, it, it's bad news for everyone, basically. So that is how... Uh, checkboard help the, the industry essentially okay so then in regards to, i think why you weren't there we were, what we were talking about as well some people were asking about um raising like investor finance mm. so potentially in terms of you know pre-qualifying an investor yeah hmm. um <laughs> well yeah um what pre-qualifying that investor's got the money to give you the money or pre-qualifying i guess uh, more so because i guess what i'm asking is let's say for example you know you know like now we try and you know because of, of data protection we want to be really careful like when we're you know I, i'm uncomfortable giving my card details over the phone for example like i'd yeah. much rather you send me a payment link and i make the yeah. payment so then it's through like a system that's automated and you don't have that exposure that your data could get leaked through an individual or through like an unsecure system so i guess yeah. potentially you know just i'm thinking sort of about about the the idea of the process so somebody effectively being able to, without having to send you bank statements, show that they have the availability to have the funds. So just proof of funds effectively, but an electronic way of doing it. Yeah, so um, you've actually just given me an idea. So it's really great that you, know, you brought that up. I never considered it in that way, but um, definitely something to look at. Uh, essentially, yes, what we do is we, we cloak your bank details and we mm -hmm. tell the person what you want them to know. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if you're naturally you could think about the process of telling somebody that you you earn an, an amount you have a provided with your bank statement so you provide them with papers right to evidence the money comes into your bank on this date and this is the amount what we do is we go right in your bank account or you know from your bank account these are this is the amount that you earn we only tell the person from their bank account they earn this much we're not going to show you the transactions we're not going to show you anything it's literally we just simplify everything and say this or this is all you need to know this how much you earn or if you're interested in finding out how much somebody's got in your bank account, you know, you can effectively either go, the person's got this much in the bank account or they're good for the money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that's what we confirm. We just confirm they're good for the money or depending on what, what kind of check is being done, uh, you've got the money in your bank account. So, yeah, we do that. Yeah. In, in regards to, like you said, like in regards to referencing, I think there's a lot of stuff in property that, you know, now only sort of, I'd say, over the last, what, 
four or five years, like all tenancy agreements were kind of starting to be electronic. It was still a lot of paper, you know, DocuSign, things like that yeah. weren't used in massive uptake, particularly in smaller agents. I still see some paper tenancies and people tell you mm -hmm. to come in and sign this. I mean, I, I have to reference, because I've got quite a few HMOs, I have quite a lot of tenants. I have to provide references for people all the time. And I get a phone call out of the blue on my mobile to say, can you confirm John's lived in your house? Oh, yeah, he has. Are you the landlord? Yeah, I am. Was he a good tenant? Yeah, he was. It, it could be literally anybody's phone number or anything. Um, you know, so many things. Loads of people are getting better with, you know, editing a PDF, for example, to say that it's... And, and obviously, I'm, I'm saying that because as a landlord, you see the, the ease of, okay, I, I know how easy it would be to effectively, you know, pull the wool over somebody's eyes and, mm -hmm. you know, on my eyes and end up with a really bad tenant, which if you're paying a thousand pounds a month and they end up in rent arrears for 12 months time, that's 12,000 pounds that you've potentially lost. So I think these systems and the implementation can be really good. It's the same yeah. as and passports have gone digital because it's a lot easier to clone like a paper document than it is something with a chip that needs to yeah. work and you need to understand it and it needs to be on the right databases exactly exactly that i'll tell you a funny story right so um i also came to realize not all referencing companies are the same right and uh this, this story will probably explain it use i use a competitor for one of my properties um this was before checkboard and um what happened was the tenant failed well, the tenant moved in a property and didn't pay rent for six months in a row, right? Literally, straight six months, no rent. I then got pissed, you know, pissed off as, as, you, would, as you would expect. Mm -hmm. Contacted the estate agent saying, look, you know, provide me with the reference to confirm that you did the right job here. Um, I looked at the reference and I was like, hey, the person said they earned 70 grand. Um, and guess who they put down as their um, employer or the, 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 the person that confirmed that they earned 60 grand, what, 70 grand. They put down a mate who's a recruiter. And that passed, you know, the reference checks. And now, at this point in time, the mate that they put under the recruiter is not liable because I'm not going to go to him and go, hey, you know, you lied here, pay me my rent. Yeah. So it's effectively <laughs> right. creating, like, stop checks that are not as easy because I've, like, and I, there's some rubbish referencing companies. Like, me, I, if you're rubbish and I usually <laughs> say you're rubbish, rent for sure are rubbish. Like, they're so, like, I, I, I was trying to, I needed to rent somewhere for a short term and I was failing referencing and I'm like, look, I'm trying to do this the right way. I could have just yeah. turned around and told you, but I'm self-employed. I've got a lot of income for property. But their logic was, well, because all of your tenancy agreements don't run the duration of your tenancy. And those that do are new tenancy agreements that haven't been active for six months. So effectively, yeah. there's no way to use rental income because if I'm starting a new 12-month tenancy, they, all of my tenants are going to start randomly on a different date. So like, either, they weren't even taking a portioned amount of it. They were like, look, we can't take it anything that doesn't run the whole duration of your tenancy. And I was like, on the phone, so I was like, do you understand that doesn't make any sense? Like, you have a system in place. And I was like, I could give you anybody's phone number and say, this is how much I earn. I'm trying to do this the right way. But <laughs> you have systems in place that, that and like, so the people that can actually afford it are failing referencing and the people that are lying are passing. So I completely understand yes. the need for technology in this space. What you just described there is, 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 is very poor because I, I realised that the property industry or the, the estate agency or referencing companies use a very different standard to the banks, right? Mm. But the banks are lending large sums of money. and This was my thing. I said, <laughs> I've just spent like upwards of £2 million on property. 
Yes. Like mortgages of one point five million, yeah. but I can't rent somewhere for twelve hundred pounds. Yeah. Like the banks are fine. Like the credit is fine. Everything, but it's like no. The computer said no, and it's. I think there's a lot of stuff in property like that. I feel the same for people. To be fair, that are trying to get a mortgage, mm. and they've been paying rent for eighteen hundred pounds for the last four years. Not Mister Payment. Every payment on time. They could show you four months of bank statements to show we've made this. But you don't meet the affordability criteria of a bank, yeah. and then the banker saying, "Nope, sorry, you can only borrow up to a thousand pounds a month." You're like, "But I've literally been doing this for years and years." So yeah. I think that's why I've seen some other stuff like people that are trying to get like your rental payments integrated like into your credit report, essentially, because I think that would be a really good step to stop people that are kind of stuck in a rental cycle. Yeah, I, I think. I think um, I've, I've, I've got a, I've got my own reservations about including rental payments into um, credit files. It's, it's, a, it's a good addition, and it's, it's very important for people who are like eighteen to like twenty-one. Um, but if you think about the nature of a mortgage application, the bank is assessing the property as security mm -hmm. um, first, and then they're assessing your ability to, uh, you know, yeah. meet that. Even though. It's done the other way around, but the bank first, you know, um, focus but, is the property being good security. I guess, but the thing is, as long as the, it works on a security and a deposit works, I'm more talking about the affordability calculator element of it. Yeah. On a so, residential mortgage only. I'm not saying to stretch this out yeah, when yeah. you go over leveraged, but I'm saying on a residential mortgage, if you're replacing like for like, so, and it may have to be like a really long process, but mm. I think at a certain point in time, if you've had like sort of four or five years of rental payments, like there does have to be a way, maybe not a guarantee, but yeah. some element of waiting. So Kofi and I have taken mortgages at point in time where our, our credit score was poor. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think, I think the, the, when it comes to mortgages, the, the credit score, as long as you haven't got any CCJs and you're not high risk and high risk being too leveraged up or you don't got too much debt, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you would be okay. If it comes to personal loans and credit cards, yeah, your credit score has got to be, you know, quite tight because the bank has nothing but your name and mm -hmm. your, your payment history. If mm -hmm. it's a mortgage, the bank has got, you know, the security of the property. So that is, you know, the primary focus of theirs. But yeah, it's, 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 a, it's how the financial, yeah, it's essentially how the bank can try to get the money back. But yeah. Yeah, no, and I get that. Um, there was something that just slipped my mind here in regards to that stuff. I think, I think it's interesting because... Um, you know, it's, it's it's a weird space that if you have paid, for example, like, like literally people that are paying eighteen hundred pounds, but you mm. can't borrow a certain amount, or you can't get a mortgage for a certain amount. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing is that I find strange is like, look, if if I had a friend that was asking me honestly, like, and they could be your tenant, and they're like, look, I'm short this month, should I not pay my rent or not pay my phone bill? I told them not to pay their phone bill. <laughs> <laughs> because well, yes, your rent, yes. as long as you pay it back, like in in four weeks time has going to have no impacts on your life. Like your landlord yeah. might not renew your contract. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. in reality, like as long as you pay it, like, you know, you, you could pay your rent late, 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 for example, you could have a tenant, your rent could be due on the first of each month. You could have a tenant and just say, mm, I'm going to pay on the 17th, but they're paying. They're not in arrears. You can't use a section eight. You can't, do you know what I mean? I haven't gone over the two months. So that's the other reason from a landlord protection perspective as well. Yeah it being part of your credit not only aids the tenant, but also aids the, the landlord. So I think when something helps both sides of the coin, it may not be a perfect solution, but some level of integration um, 
I think so it's, 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 it's interesting because we do the rent, we confirm that you've been paying rent um, in our, uh, within checkboard, but we mm-hmm. do it by looking at the the dates that you paid your rent and we actually mm-hmm. use algorithm to figure out if you've missed the payment or been a payment late. Mm-hmm. So that's another way of kind of checking that without it going to the credit file. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's, I agree with what you're saying and I think um, there is definitely a, a, a place for it. Um, but we just have to be careful. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. That. I mean, this isn't the area of my expertise at all, but it's just yeah. I always try and just think, you know, rationally. Mm. I think sometimes the simplest solution and, and it's not the easiest, but like, you know, is, is a good way, is a good basis to um, involve it in the conversation at a minimum. So yeah. then in regards to PropTech, like, because from my understanding, at one point in time, so sort of four years ago, but I was looking at sort of trying to maybe get, you know, Series A, Series B trying to get on an accelerator through um, my my goal effectively at the time was I wanted to do like a co-living brand, okay. but effectively have like technology back. So everything was like through an app. We kind of like, by the time we've got a load of users, they would have benefits. It would be almost like a, a community or a hive, so to speak, or a hub of users. Um, but it was kind of really based on a lot of tech, you know, outsourcing a lot of the more mundane roles um within mm. within it um but again it's i think it's an interesting space because we were looking at people like our competitors when we were doing our competitor analysis and we were trying to put together our pitch deck and we were seeing companies that you know they we maybe we've reached sort of million pound turnover at our peak and we were seeing companies that had a fifty thousand pound turnover but a great deck and they were raising five hundred thousand hot black you know million pounds because i think a lot of once you can get that concept right and people can see the potential, the thing with integrating tech is you go from here to here, like potentially in a short space of time if you get it right. But yeah. for those maybe that are interested in tech and stuff, like the, I guess like the, the research and development and the build out is where, where expenses are. So how have you found financing and what's your journey been in regards to finance? Okay, so um, I'm I'm probably a fortunate founder in the sense of um i i i like to check myself by uh, i don't call myself a coder but i know how to use uh you know stuff like wordpress and bubble and uh, different solutions to build something mm-hmm. an mvp so um how how i started um how i started checkboard was i i, I built something um and i started raising right I, you know naturally i, I thought as you just mentioned have a great deck, somebody's going to give you money, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> and you uh, build, build something because you actually had the product there as well. So yeah. like we were in the process of building and we had like the business that yeah. we needed to now, because the business that we had had to be transitioned into a new business that mm. worked with the product and but we took like the two together and merged them. But I think obviously because we were almost working backwards, hustling backwards in some way, so you had the business, but it wasn't in a place to raise the money, which mm-hmm. is why we struggled. But obviously because you we're in a different space yeah you're able to build and then because really people want to see proof of concept does your idea work and if we put money into it where is it going to go yeah and and that's exactly the point so i, I think what i did was i started building and i started raising money straight away um put together a deck sent out to investors i got a lot of no's that's one thing that you know as a um as a founder, you have to be prepared for you're going to hear a lot of no's uh, and i heard no for a while um, and then I got a co-founder because somebody said you need a co-founder, you know, a technical co-founder to um, eventually 
Beginning those conversations, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? So you need a technical co-founder because if somebody's going to give you money, they want to make sure that somebody's looking after the technology, which is, if you look at real estate, that's like the building, that's the foundation, the mm -hmm. whole thing. Um, so we, well, I, I got a co-founder, we built, uh, we built an MVP, took it to market. It was a slightly different product to what Chipboard is today. We got a lot of feedback um, and we hadn't raised any money at the point in time, right? And um, bounce back happened. Well, COVID happened, then bounce back loans happened. So I just literally, you know, took as much as I could get. Uh, you know, I, I think um, I managed to take about 100 grand uh, from different places. And that was my first bit of financing. Um, that was a loan. Uh, and then um, it, we kind of ran up our sales, uh, our sales force, shall I say, and um, kept raising. But then obviously we hit a bit of a snag because we realized our initial concept was not right for the market. So we had to make some tweaks and um, had to, you know, manage my team and, and let some people go to ensure that the business sustains in the long run. Um, and then we raised funds after landing on something that made sense. Now, when I say something that makes sense, what investors are looking to understand is you've got a platform or product that can be sold mm -hmm. and you have a distribution channel. That means you can go from here to there very quickly. And that's the most important thing for, you know, for any investor. If you're going to give someone so like that, yeah, for, from my understanding, again, that was my, like, you know, when I was having conversations mm. with, um, you know, accelerators and, you know, stuff like that, effectively they, what they want to know is look, if you're asking for, you know, half a million pounds for X percent or whatever it is, you know, what does my return on investment look like? Like how quickly over, you know, four, five year life cycle, yep. are you going to get me to this many million? Like, are you going to get me to, because in reality, the difference between PropTech is the numbers they want to hear. They don't want to hear, are you going to take my 500,000 and make the business worth 2 million, 3 million? They want to hear, are you going to take this, like really realistically, you know, they want a, a business with a potential of sort of, you know, 500 million. They want like yeah, they want serious numbers. Money. Yeah, 10 times return on their money. But yeah, I think the thing that, and, and that I think scares a lot of people, but I think the thing, and people think, oh, no one's going to give me that money. But again, we'll have a conversation about this, but I think the people that are investing that money, you know, obviously they do their due diligence and they, they, they want to believe this business will do well. But because they're also investing in a number of businesses and mm -hmm. they, you know, it's kind of like almost some people investing in crypto. Like there's a lot of potential projects and mm -hmm. they want to be in these projects at an early stage at, you know, 500,000 is a load of money. But yeah. in terms of being 500,000 to a business that could be worth 50 million, 100 million it's not a lot of money if you come in at the right stage. Your return on investment is ridiculous. So it is possible yeah. if you have a good proof of concept, like you said, a good deck, you can explain how it's going to work. You can actually build out a product that we can test it. We can show how it's going to work. Um, but it also brings on something else I wanted to ask about, obviously, investment. Mm. So did you, you raised on a percentage? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So as in the dilution, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, so we, 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 we did a 20% dilution um, mm -hmm. on, on, on the funds and that valued the business at two, uh, 2 million when we closed. Uh, but we also got grant funding as well. Mm -hmm. um, one, thing, one thing that I quickly learned on, on, on the journey of raising money is 
if you ask somebody who's only got fifty thousand pounds to give you twenty five thousand pounds, you ask that person to give you half of their wealth, right? Mm. So you want to make sure you're approaching the right people. Um, that's yeah. one of the most important things. Um, now there's a sweet spot whereby somebody who is somebody who's got a hundred thousand pounds might give you five grand, okay, mm. or probably even two grand. That's what they're comfortable losing. Somebody that's got ten million might give you fifty grand. A person that's got a hundred million or two hundred million plus will look at fifty grand as too small a ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's, it's a weird place. So exactly. So exactly, right? So a, a guy who's on two, you know, who's got two hundred million plus would be looking to give away, or to looking to invest five million a piece into any of the, you know, potentially an investment. Even, and that's because not just because they feel like I don't want to invest anything less than that, but in terms of their time, I don't want to be looking at loads of different projects. Like if, if you had, you know I mean, 20 kids telling you to come and invest in their business of four pounds to sell sweets at school, it yeah. would just be like, look, I, I don't know which one of you is going to be good to make my four pound into 20 pounds or which one is going to run away with the money. So I just yeah. rather focus on doing something a little bit more within my wheelhouse. And I think that's, yeah. What about and, if you have any conversation around like vested shares? Huh, yes, that is the um, that's where you would you keep or lose your business, right? <laughs> I think um, just to educate people on what vested shares are. Let's say I give you money and I, I invest in your business, right? Um, the first thing I want to make sure is if you run away with my money, um, I have a way of getting that money back. So you've got legal clauses in there. Then the other thing that people want to know is I'm investing in you because I believe in you and I believe you're going to take your business where it's going to go. So if I give you the money and tomorrow you decide you don't want to do this anymore, my money has to still be able to work. So what I would do in that situation is take you off the business and bring somebody else in. Mm -hmm. If I do not put your shares in a vested schedule and a vested schedule basically means you have a certain amount of time before you, your share that you already own are yours, right? Um, it means if, I, if, if, if you were to leave today, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Or if you were to fail performance. So if, so yeah. like, for well, example, yeah. Yeah. when you're talking about vested shares, let's say, for example, you've taken a managing director role within your business. As a managing director, number one, you need to be fit for purpose, you need to be able to do the role. And number two, um, you know, you need to perform to a certain level. So with vested shares, effectively, yes, you might own your 80% of the business. However, you can't sell those shares. You can't, mm -hmm. a lot of the time, do stuff with those shares. You can't leave the business until you've got that business to potentially a point in which you've agreed within the investment, you know, terms that you have with your new shareholders. And I think that's an area that either people don't understand, like either the investor doesn't understand sometimes and loses money or the actual um, the client doesn't understand and ends up having their business taken away from them in effect. Yeah, and the craziest thing is every time you receive investment, every new investor attempts to get you to invest shares again. So you might get half a million today, you get two million later on, you get 10 million every single time, they will say, I want you to invest. So that's how sometimes people end up potentially investing the shares in their business on an ongoing basis uh, and constantly living in, in you know i wouldn't say you're living in fear because you don't you don't really live in fear, and it's, it's a weird conversation because then now you set up this business but you're thinking do you know what let me not take the ceo role let me take <laughs> the cfo role because the cfo role is less likely to to get the job well that's the thing but um, somebody somebody got to be ceo right and i think the ceo commands 
the the highest uh, compensation because they they run the risk yeah. of losing the most. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's, 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 the best conversations is quite a tricky one. Um, but the one thing I would always say to people is the one thing that turned our business or turned turned the tide in my favour was the grant that I won. Mm-hmm. Um, so we applied for a, um, an, an Innovate grant. Uh, UK Innovate is a government body that provides um, grant funding to technology ideas. And we got uh, about just under 300 grand. And that would be for... It's tidy. Little tidy, little tidy. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I spoke to people who've got 20, so, you know, it's, 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 there's levels to the game. <laughs> yeah, no, no. There were ways to spot. Like, 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 like in property, like in any business. Yeah. Sometimes that, smell yeah, the yeah, roses. Just because property, yeah. somebody got 20, are you going to give the 300 back? Well, no, I'm not. I, I'd have to give it back. It's completely free money. Exactly, that's what I mean. So you're not gonna oh, give, yeah. you're not gonna look down your nose at it. So it's you wouldn't if if they tried to take it away, you grab it with both hands <laughs> and grab them by the head. So no, that's that's amazing. Like that's amazing yeah. to do. And I think it's just why I try and get people on in different spaces. Like I'm not necessarily. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm I'm out. Prop tech is too is too intelligent for me. Let me just go back to buy, buying property and do you know what I mean. But. Like, I think it's really important because a lot of people, or not a lot, some people, somebody in here today will have a great idea and like, but have maybe friends around them that have the wrong energy that are telling them, oh, it's not possible. You know, you can't do this. You can't do that. They be looking at it financially. Like, look, I've got £2,000 in my bank. I know that these coders charge X amount a year and this, that and whatever, and I can't get there. But if you have a great idea and hold on to that idea and nurture it, like the idea will do the talking almost the idea will get you through the doors the idea will, you'll have loads of no's but the idea and a good idea and good like something that can work like somebody else that's just as smart as you will see the potential in that idea mm-hmm. and potentially invest yeah definitely i think um having working on something or working on an idea allows you to have conversations with certain people right you know you, i'm sure you've heard that saying right um small minds talk about people you know, and, 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 and big man talk about ideas, right? So when you have an idea and you're working on something and you approach somebody with the financial capability to invest in something and you speak to them about that idea, they will like the idea and they will give you the money. I think most of the time people um, invest in people. That's the one thing I've always been told. I, I didn't get that before we, before we raised, but it's a people business, right? You know, everything, they're buying into you. Everything, listen. You see, if you're not likable... Ooh, you better be really good. You better be really, really, really sensational. Yeah. 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 You have to be very... In a tech game, if you're, if you're not a likable character, you, you have to be the strongest coder. Mm. It's probably the best way to play. Right, but then... some of those coders, I'm not going to lie, some of the ones that I didn't like were sensational and I just had to pretend I liked them. Because <laughs> <laughs> coders to... live in their own world of like, you can get some very politely, I've called them finicky, like, you know, just very, very individual, you know, in their own space, know what they know and don't want to know anything else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, but, yes, I think definitely everything, investment, property, literally all business, business relations are built on people. If somebody likes you, buys into you, you know, even if it's just a case of looking at your idea or giving you yeah. feedback on your idea, it might not be that they're going to give you the money just because they like you. But they're gonna take time. Like, exactly, they're gonna take the time. They're gonna put you in touch with. And the one thing that actually helped us as well was people put in touch. Put, people put us in touch with people. Mm. So I remember I messaged somebody on LinkedIn, 
he was like, I'm not, uh, I'm not currently investing in this space, but I'll put you in touch with someone, and that person became an investor. Mm-hmm. Just off the back of a relationship, and off exactly. the back of, you know. And you have to put yourself out there. I think another thing you touched on is no's. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, wherever, like, so people that are in here that may be thinking, oh, PropTech's not for me, you might be tuning out, but, like, you might be looking at rent to rent. No, you're going to hear the same no, no, no. <laughs> or you want to start flipping properties, you want a below market deal. No, yeah. no, no, or for the clans. You want, yeah. you know, you want to raise investor finance. No, 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 no. Loads of no's, loads of no's. But for each of those no's, you should take something away from it. You shouldn't take exactly. it personal. You should just try and get some feedback. Why, why did I get a no here? What can I learn from this to make sure that I don't get a no again? Yeah, I think, um, it, and the one thing people have to understand is it's a numbers game, right? When you run a, a marketing ad, for example, right, um, you're looking at your conversion, click-through rate and all these things. Average click-through rate, what, like 2% apparently? Um, yeah. So that basically means you've, you've, 100 people have seen something and only two of them said yes. <laughs> Exactly. And yeah, you have to kind of also, I think, have a plan because Mm. it's like, okay, say you were sending out like kind of cold messages on LinkedIn. Within reason, you could kind of work out like, okay, if I I message 100, 10 might reply. Out of the 10 that reply, five might sit down with me. And out of the five that sit down with me, one may be closable. Like, that's what I did. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I did to get my investment. It was all LinkedIn based. I I sent our LinkedIn messages with a video of my pitch, I send that to about 2,000 people. Yeah. And 2,000 people and four of them became investors. Mm-hmm. And, and that's literally it. It's a numbers game. Like, I think I've said this for maybe the last four like, lives I've done, so I'm not going to say it again. But like, <laughs> I'm going to say it today for the last time. And that's that fortune favours the proactive. Like, if you're out there doing, you quote unquote be the one that gets lucky. But you didn't get lucky. You put yourself in a position to get lucky like and that's the difference like you're not gonna i'm not gonna get lucky sitting on my playstation i'm not gonna find a new deal it's just you're not in the space but like when you're out there and you're having conversations and you're whether you're networking whether you're like direct sort of pitching to people you know you're a lot more likely to get that investment um funny enough i was at the black business show yesterday yeah and i was having a conversation with and they're called Black Box. They're another company that help um, black businesses get investment for mm. their businesses. It doesn't have to be PropTech, but they were talking about, you know, is there a disproportionate kind of representation or in representation when it comes to investment in black businesses? And I wanted to know as a black founder slash co-founder how you found it and if you thought, you know, there was any... Um, I don't know if you'd call it institutional or direct racism that you felt in terms of pitching yourself. So um, this is a very interesting topic. I, I, had, I had a conversation uh, last year with um, a couple uh, PR companies and then, you know, agencies about this. And um, it is, in truth, when you look at the numbers, as I say, only 3% of funds go to, um, uh, 1% of um, investment funds go to the black community. And... Um, I, I think the problem is, it's definitely twofold, um, and I think it's more about lack of understanding. Now, if if you and I were to have a conversation about, you know, an investment opportunity, for example, we would approach it very differently. You know, you and I both being black, we have a, a, a very very natural conversation about what the opportunity is, um, and I think when it comes to investing in black, um, black 
businesses and black people. I think there's a... Sometimes people don't understand um, the culture. Sometimes people don't understand um, black people. And, they, and because of that lack of understanding, it creates a fear in the mind. And that fear leads them to think, let me just not invest. Or let me, let me, let me assess even, this in, in a different way. I, I even think... I think that's I think that's giving some people too much credit because well, the the reality is like if I, I don't know the stats on this I remember I was told yesterday and I'm a bad mm -hmm. listener but if you said one percent and you know that will make up over three percent that means you're being disproportionately represented in regards to investment by seventy percent which isn't yes. accidental. Now I don't understand Chinese culture. I don't understand. I'm, I'm sure the same people don't understand those same cultures. Yeah. But I think the issue more is, you know, like with the institutional racism and preconceptions, potentially see my name, uh, mm. you know, Olawale Ali Bologan, you know, and they say, ah, this, this is trouble. <laughs> and um, that's what I mean. I, I think, because if you look at the board of people who, you know, board of VCs, most of them are, let's face it, white, uh, white, white, white middle-aged males. Exactly. And naturally, the kind of deal flow they get coming in are from their mates and people that they know, people within their circle. Mm -hmm. And to look at something outside the circle, the first thing is I don't... And remember, if we're saying people invest in people, mm -hmm. right? Naturally, like, they're not going to gravitate towards you. It's a case of that whole idea of front of house already i'm not warm so now I've, I've got to build that rapport whereas you know and i've got to kind of break down a barrier before i've even got to my pitch or my pitch is to break down a barrier and that all the pitch does is let them know that okay maybe you're serious rather yes. than how do i like the idea yet? um which yes. i think why the idea of like having a lot of conversations not just around prop tech but in terms of just investment um changes in the way people spending like spending habits stuff like you know not just the black pound as like a, just a singular idea but as an mm -hmm. example of people investing building generational wealth growing in their own personal positions but making sure once we do grow we also don't just take that step back and be like right i've made it now let me go to the islands let me get on those boards of those companies let me actually kind of be here for the long term because when I look at like my property investment chain, the main reason I joined Instagram was because I felt like, you know, people had no idea what I did. Mm. And then now that I have, like I've had so many like sick messages and conversations where someone said, oh, because of this, I bought my first property or because of this, mm. like I've got out of debt or because of X, Y, or Z. So I think sometimes just, sometimes there is obviously blame on other people but you know within the black community we maybe don't help ourselves because we have a fear yes. of transparency to say look like this is what i did and how i did it because the more money you make the more you realize that there's so much money out there that somebody else making money behind you isn't <laughs> going to stop you if you yeah. ra you're raising money right i could be in the same space i could be tr you could be trying to raise five million i could be trying to raise five million there is hundreds of billions of money like, like out there there's trillions so that like me raising money, that's not going to be the reason you don't. It's going to be your idea and working on your own idea. So for yes. those that do have an idea, like don't focus on what's around you or what other people are doing. Take hints and tips from it and the way people have been able to deliver things and do things well. Try and have yes. conversation with those that are doing or have done what you want to do. But don't look at it that like somebody's done something so I can't do it now. 
there's very yeah. few brand new ideas. Tech is a bit of an exception, but you're still reinventing something to make it work better as opposed to, you're not just trying to, you didn't come up with the idea of referencing or the fact that tenants need a sort of reference. It was just like, exactly. I've seen something and I can do this better. Me wanting to flip houses, I didn't make that idea up. I just said, I've seen how you guys do it. And I think if I do this, I can do yeah. it a little bit better or create a lane for myself. Yeah, exactly that. I think the one thing that I've also noticed, so since we raised money, I've received a lot of messages from um, black, uh, black, found, well, black uh, founders and people, you know, we're trying to raise money as well. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I do see a lot of is the way we present, and, and this again comes down to lack of, um, uh, lack of awareness or, or lack of the people around you in your network to help you, uh, you know, elevate, right? Um, I've seen a lot of decks which I look at it and I'm like, this needs a lot of work or, you know, just, you need to put more into this to make it clearer or, to make it more appealing. Um, and I've had several conversations, you know, helping other black founders to, to you know, improve their pitch deck and, and improve how they present their, yeah. their business ideas. And that's the one thing I, I, I definitely think as a community we all need to kind of work on, which is get ourselves around uh, the people who have done it before, uh, get ourselves around the people who we want to emulate. Um, obviously, you have to do it in the right way. Uh, you know, don't just be a taker. Uh, it's probably, you know, the advice I'll give, but, you definitely want to ensure that you are uh, seeking advice from the right people, uh, seeking mentorship from people who are, you know, at a space where they can help. And, yeah. um, listening and potentially looking at the value proposition of how you can offer them help in return. Because, yes. uh, you know, look, relationships are always two ways, right? You, they may have more to offer you, but you generally speaking, you've always got something to offer. Yeah. Like, so just try and look at how you can make it a value proposition. And yes. I think that's, that's, that's really good. I think that's a good place to sort of wrap up today's Ask Somebody Else. I appreciate you coming on, James. Um, for those that are listening to this later, potentially on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, I think we're up to like, um, I think a thousand listeners, um, regular basis. So that's, that's pretty cool. So for those that are listening to it there, where can they find you? Can we get the name of your business and a link to there again as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you can find us uh, on checkboard.com, uh, Instagram, at usecheckboard. Um, and you can follow me on LinkedIn uh, or, or um, Instagram as well, just James Awusi. Um, you know, I think I'm probably one of the few people that come up uh, when you search, I'm joking. There's loads of James Awusis. Just make sure you look for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's been good. I appreciate having you on. I think it's really good. I think that has hopefully inspired a lot of people just... The idea of being able to raise literally hundreds of thousands, some of it with no repayment terms. Um, I think if people wanted to know more about how you did that, definitely I'd say to reach out, network with yeah. James on LinkedIn, Instagram, give him a follow. Like he's doing some amazing things in the space. There'll probably be some investors in here. Um, there might be some people in property that want to know how they can integrate the software and the technology into their yeah. existing businesses because really technology is a lot of the time is a way to stay ahead of the curve. Um, so we appreciate you coming on today and um, catch you again next week i'll be on time i promise sunday <laughs> 6 p.m ask somebody else a different property expert each and every week enjoy it i'm out see ya